Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this edition of the Pig Pen Podcast, Ed Smith of the Believe in Cardinals podcast is kind enough to join us to help preview this weekend's matchup. Plus, we'll take a brief look around the NFL and what we should be watching for as Washington football team fans this weekend. All that's coming up on this edition of the Pig Pen Podcast. Drag up that diesel. What's good? This is the Pig Pen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day. We got a Cardinals preview podcast coming at you. I got to be honest. I'm feeling pretty good. I've had a really good week. I think a lot of that was because we took down the Eagles this past weekend, and I've I've just been feeling really, really good. And I'm feeling good about this weekend, too. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I'm in a little bit over my head, but I'm feeling good about this matchup that we got with the Arizona Cardinals. Ed Smith is going to join us in uh, just a little bit, have a nice conversation uh, with him. I'll break down some key aspects of the game following that conversation with Ed that I think we should be looking for. But I want to start this edition of the podcast because we're playing a later game. We got the 425 on Fox, 425, 405, whatever. They're late as hell. We're going to Arizona, so we're on the road, so it's not going to be the normal time that we're going to be playing at the rest of the year. In fact, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think this is the only non-1 p.m. kick that we have this entire season. So we're getting it out of the way early. But because of that, we got a couple other things that we need to be on the lookout for uh, as we look at week two of the NFL season. And the big thing, at least at this point, that I feel like we should be watching is the Chicago Bears. They're playing the New York Giants this week, but we have heard all the rumors this entire week about Allen Robinson wanting out of Chicago. And he says that they've made up. He said he had a nice conversation with the coaching staff and with the people in charge. That's all good and well. I understand that. I don't buy it at all. He says he wants to finish this season in Chicago. I don't buy that at all. I think Allen Robinson wants out of Chicago, and I think here would be a fantastic place for him. So I'm watching the Chicago Bears, and for the first time, I don't usually, I don't usually root against players outside of our division. I mean, I root against Dak Prescott. I root against everybody in our division, but I don't usually root against players outside of this division, but I am now actively rooting against Mitchell Trubisky. I've had a lot of fun with him, making some memes, making some jokes. It's low-hanging fruit to make jokes about Mitch Trubisky on the internet, but damn, sometimes it just it just feels good. 
I am rooting against Mitch Trubisky because at some point in time, Allen Robinson, who wants to get paid market value at his position, which is a little bit more than he's getting paid now. I looked at his contract. He actually has a pretty decent contract right now, but he's looking to get like five or six million dollars more per year, which is now what market value is for the receiver. He signed his contract with Chicago back in 2018, so it has expanded just a little bit. But I'm rooting against Mitchell Trubisky because at a certain point in time, Allen Robinson, who wants to get paid, is going to recognize that I might never hit market value because of the bad quarterback play that I have had throughout the course of my career. Because you got to remember, before Mitch Trubisky, Allen Robinson had Blake Bortles as his quarterback. That's not exactly a great Hall of Fame list of guys to play with if you were Allen Robinson. So I'm watching the Chicago Bears. I, I want them to win because they're playing the New York football giants and to hell with that franchise at this moment. But I want Trubisky to throw four interceptions in the process. I don't need any of this three touchdowns in the fourth quarter late comeback stuff that he pulled against Detroit. That can go out the window. We want to see Mitch Trubisky play bad because we want Allen Robinson in our organization. He's played with Bortles. He's played with Trubisky. I don't think it's a far say to say that Dwayne Haskins is significantly better than either of those two quarterbacks. I also have no idea if I use the word far say correctly, but I felt smart in the process. But Dwayne Haskins is better than both of those two quarterbacks, and Allen Robinson needs to find a home, and he needs to do it here. We will forgive him for choosing Mitchell Trubisky over us and Alex Smith in 2018, We'll forgive that because Chicago did get Khalil Mack that offseason. Like, I understand that defense was looking pretty good, and you had a lot of success in that first year. But now you're starting to see what exactly the Chicago Bears team actually is. And when you look at our organization in terms of future success, it sure seems like we're set up a lot better than the Chicago Bears are. And I don't know about you, but I feel significantly more comfortable paying Allen Robinson market value at the wide receiver position than I would have resetting the market with Omari Cooper, which was the rumor that we gave. Because the numbers that we have seen rumored that we offered Omari Cooper this offseason were stupidly high for that dude. I would much rather pay Allen Robinson the market value, not resetting it, but market value for his position, give him $18, $19 million a year because we have the cap space to do so, do that, get him in this organization, and then all of a sudden, what was looking like one of the weaker wide receiver groups in the National Football League, all of a sudden, that group is a lot better. You have Allen Robinson on one side, you have Terry McLaurin on the other side, and you have Steve Sims Jr. in the slot, and Logan Thomas, who played relatively well against Philadelphia, he's now your tight end. That's a nice little quartet right there. And that's not even factoring in Gibson, McKissick, Peyton Barber, all of the talent that we have at the running back position. Eventually, Bryce Love will be in that group as well. That's not a bad offensive weaponry to have for your young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. So whatever it takes to move Allen Robinson and to get him away from Chicago, I know they're not going to be asking for a first-round pick because that just seems completely off the wall. But if you can move a second or a third round pick and get Allen Robinson, I would have done that yesterday. I would have done that joint last week. I mean, that should be a no-brainer. Get Allen Robinson here to D.C. So because of that, I am actively rooting against Mitchell Trubisky. And I'm actively rooting against the Chicago Bears after this, this week. I want them to beat New York because to hell with New York. But after that, 
I want them to lose every single game until Allen Robinson says, I have absolutely had enough. I I can't do this anymore. I need to get out of here. And then we swoop in. We make the the trade. We bring Allen Robinson here. And then our offense is, is set for the foreseeable future. That's, that's what I'm looking for this weekend. If you're looking for something else this weekend, let me know on Twitter, at Denton underscore day. But I want Allen Robinson in the Burgundy and Gold. I want him as a member of the Washington football team. All right, we're taking on the Cardinals this weekend. We're traveling out to Arizona. Let's get into the conversation with the great Ed Smith. Excited to welcome on my next guest here to the Pigpen Podcast, the great Ed Smith, kind enough to join us. He's a four-year NFL veteran, including a brief stint here in the DMV. He now hosts the Believe in Cardinals podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find him on Twitter at Ed Smith Speaks. Ed, what's going on, man? Appreciate you jumping on. Hey, great, uh, great to be joining you, man, and uh, appreciate the hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. We got a fun matchup set for Sunday. Uh, The Washington football team taking on the Arizona Cardinals, traveling over to your neck of the woods in the Phoenix area for this matchup. But prior to getting into this matchup, we on the East Coast were stuck with the Fox game of the week, which was not the Cardinals and the 49ers. It was instead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. So for my listeners who weren't fortunate enough to watch uh, the wild ending in the Cardinals, a really impressive win against San Francisco. Can you just give me a brief synopsis and give my listeners Here's a synopsis of what went down in the game. Well, you know, it was interesting because, you know, I, I myself and my partner, Javon Adams, we, you know, we previewed the game and, and we make our picks at the end of them. And, and I'm eating a little crow this week because I didn't think the Cardinals were going to be able to go up there to San Francisco and pull that victory out. I thought they would play well, uh, but, you know, I just thought the uh, 49ers offense would be a little too much for them and, and it looked like that from the start of the game. You know, San Francisco dominated, dominated time of possession, uh, seemed to have us on our heels. And then somewhere toward the middle part of the second quarter, it was almost like we uh, took advantage of the fact that they didn't bury us. You know, we were down 10 nothing, and we just got kind of hanging around, and they let us stay in the game. And the next thing you know, Cardinal kind of took control of the pace of the game. Uh, 49ers never looked in sync. Kyler Murray was kind of a mystery for the Cardinals, and, I kind of equate, you know, and you're probably saying, looking at the same thing, the uh, lack of preseason and nobody's been able to get any film. And, you know, we had this new weapon out here with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it was one of those things where they didn't know what to expect. And, you know, we kind of just hit them with a couple of light rep jabs and, you know, kept them off their toes the, the whole game. And, well, you know, we kind of had control of that game. It was like, it was like a tale of two halves. You know, next thing you know, we had control of it. And I still kept thinking, eventually the San Francisco 49ers are going to wake up, but they didn't. And, you know, we snuck out of there with the win. It wasn't the prettiest game. Uh, the game plan needs to be tweaked a little bit. Everybody needs to shake a little bit of the rust off. It was really encouraging for us as Cardinals fans out here to see this game, this team not just compete, but pull up a victory, you know, especially one that nobody, at least or not a lot of people, gave them the chance to get. But, uh, you know, good start to the season for us out here. And you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins, of course, their big acquisition over the offseason. And that's a guy that a lot of us as fans are looking at uh, this upcoming week and saying this dude is certainly going to be a problem. I don't know if you could have scripted a, a better debut for him for the Cardinals. I mean, he was doing absolutely everything. What did you make of his debut with the franchise? And as you mentioned, not having the preseason, so not getting to see him prior. What did you make of his first NFL game with the Cardinals? Oh, I mean, it's a great uh, look. You know, the future looks really bright out here. You know, you got the young quarterback. Uh, we got him a weapon like a DeAndre Hopkins. 
um, and sounds like it was everything that advertised. You know, I've watched him for years over there in Houston and never thought he got as much credit as he deserved, you know, just because of the situation he was over there. You know, that consummate 8-8 eight eight team would always seem like 8-8 eight, eight or 7-6 match, you know. And then, you know, you, you go out and get a weapon like that, you just, you're hoping, obviously, we didn't have a chance to see anything in preseason, but you're hoping that they utilize what they have, you know. And they really did. And Andre or DeAndre did not disappoint. You know, his catch radius is unbelievable. I've watched him over the years. You know, he goes up in the crowd, makes catches, can get behind defenses. He's also not afraid to go across the middle of the field. So they use him well. The thing that, you know, I'm kind of warning all of our fans out here about is without tape, obviously, during the preseason, he's a new acquisition. Best these teams are going to get more film on how the Cardinals are going to try to use them and what they'll do is they'll try to take that weapon away. So, you know, our next goal is to get some uh, support around him as well. You know, obviously, Larry Fitzgerald is always there. we got to get Christian Kirk involved in the game plan a little more uh, and then, you know, make sure we utilize our running game to the fullest. It can't just be about Tyler dropping back and throwing the ball 35 and 40 times. we got to make sure we have a balanced attack out here. But, you know, DeAndre... After, especially after just signing that big contract. We know he's going to be here for a little bit. Uh, like I said, the future looks really bright for the Cardinals. And he caught 14 passes. 12 of the passes he caught on the left side of the field. So two of them were on the right, but on one of them it was that drag route where he lined up on the left side of the field. So they used him to that left side a bunch. As we move forward coming into this week's matchup with the Cardinals and the Washington football team, is that something we should expect him lining up on the left side? And is that something that Kyler Murray is just more comfortable with? Or do you think that's just one of those weird quirky stats where it just so happened that he had a lot of success on the left side of the 49ers defense? Well, Dan, I'm hoping it's just a weird, quirky stat because if they figure they're just going to line them up in the same spot every week and get the same result, you know, we're in for a little bit of a disappointment. We all know, like I said, I just mentioned, you know, teams are going to now be able to scout, uh, you know, as we get especially a few weeks into the season, they'll start looking at tendencies. And if you allow him just to sit there on that side of the field and, you know, think everything's going to be hunky door, it'll be covers, you know, so many blankets and, and, uh, you know, shades for that side, and that will really take away that weapon. What I'm hoping is they, you know, and obviously it was the first week, you couldn't throw too much at everybody, but I'm hoping the game plan is a mix. You know, I'd like to see him even, you know, motion a little more, maybe throw him in the slot every now and then, create some mismatches and different things like that. But, you know, I think that was, you know, that's a great um, assessment you had there. Yeah, a lot of everything was on that left side. And I'm hoping that uh, Chris, Chris Kingsbury is a little more creative as we move forward because you know you don't want you don't want to make it that easy on the defense. Now, our defensive line against Philadelphia was one of the stories of week one. We got to Carson Wentz, and we got to him often. What can we expect to see the Cardinals' offensive line do to to kind of limit the pressure on Kyler Murray? Of course, we know he's elusive as anything. He's exceptionally mobile. But what do you expect that offensive line to do to kind of uh, stop the guys that we have, the beasts, the animals that we have on our defensive line from getting to the quarterback? Well, that's one of the scary parts because that's, you know, in my opinion, the offensive line – especially last year was our, one of our weakest links. And then, you know, you don't have an offseason for guys to get together, work out. <clears throat> but they showed well in this first game against San Francisco. Uh, I think the, you know, with that, what, you, what you guys did up front defensively, that's got to have our offensive coordinators uh, really thinking about a lot of <laughs> quick hitters. And they, they did a lot of that this week. But, you know, even more so, you know, maybe uh, get the ball out of Kyler's hands as quick as possible. 
Um, one of the things that I don't like about what we did last week and even a lot last year was our attack was a very horizontal, uh, sideline to sideline. I think uh, in order to loosen that defense up a little bit, you are going to have to let Kyler drop back there, maybe move him around, move the pocket around, but you're going to have to take some shots down deep, uh, you know, to kind of open things up a little bit. On the flip side, that also gives your defensive line a lot of opportunity to get back there and get at him. What I do like about him is, you know, he's, he's not afraid to, to get rid of the ball. If something's not there, uh, he does scramble. And when he gets out in the open field, he's very dangerous. And then, you know, he's not afraid to, to, do, this, to do that baseball slide either. And that's something he uses to the best of his ability. So it's going to be a real challenge for our defense, for our offensive line, uh, especially, like I said, you guys are going to have a little tape to work with now. But I hope they come up with a game plan, you know, similar to this week with a few wrinkles to keep you guys off of your uh, toes. And then, like I said, the other thing, you've got to attack that front with our running game, whether it's some designs for Tyler or getting Kenyon Drake uh, involved in the game plan as well. But, you know, you, without that running game, I think uh, he'd, he'd be a sitting duck back there if he's dropping back 35, 40 times. Now, I want to transition to the defense because, Ed, I'm not sure if you're aware, but as we led up to the NFL draft, there was a whole lot of discussion on our site as to whether or not the team should trade the number two overall pick with the hopes of possibly landing Isaiah Simmons later on in the draft and trading out a two to do that. And we saw that Isaiah Simmons didn't get off to the greatest start. Of course, Chase Young had a hell of a day against Philadelphia. But what exactly went wrong with Isaiah Simmons in his debut with the Cardinals? You know, that's a great question. I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think anything went wrong. I just think, you know, with with his particular position, he's going to be used as kind of that Swiss Army knife. So he's going to be out there doing a multitude of different things. And without an offseason to dive into the playbook, I know everybody's trying to do everything remotely with the meetings and things like that, but without being able to be in the facility, uh, meeting with your head team or your position coach, soaking it all in, and then without an offseason, I mean, a preseason, you know, he was kind of, I, I equate it to this. And it's almost like, um, you know, because he was the best of the best in college. Now you get into a league where everybody's a grown man. Everybody's fast. Everybody's strong. And I can only imagine how much his head was swimming being out there. You know, you see everything in practice and it's scripted. They tell you, well, this is how this is going to go. And if they line up in this, you know, and then you get out there and it's like somebody poured water on a computer, man. His, his brain was probably just... <laughs> you know, frazzled, and, you know, and then everything's moving at the speed of light. And I saw a couple of the mistakes he made. He'll learn as he goes along. And I think why I think the Cardinals will be smart to bring him along slowly, meaning a lot of situational play to start out with. We're not going to have you out there maybe for 70 snaps. Maybe his, his take will be in the 35 to 40 range, hopefully, uh, specifically maybe for third down and different things like that or whatever, you know, matchups, according to what the uh, – opposing uh, um, formation is, and that'll help him. You know, I, I just think a lot is going to be expected of him, but I'm I'm looking for a, a lot of early mistakes, and as the season goes on, he'll get better and better, and then they'll figure out how to use him as well, you know, whether he's back there uh, covering, you know, the tight ends or, uh, you know, plugging holes. I think he's going to be a great talent. It's just going to take a little time, uh, whereas, you know, with being on the defensive front, you know, sometimes your tag, you know, as long as you're not running into the wrong holes, you're, it's all about pursuit and getting after quarterback. So I think Isaiah is going to be uh, okay. It's just going to take him a little longer to kind of grow into this position and catch up to the speed of the game on the field. 
And now that we have a, a week in the books, as you look at the the defense, you mentioned that the offensive line was one of the bigger weaknesses last season. As you look at this defense, what is, I don't want to say like the weak point, but is there a point that you think is a little softer that maybe the, the Washington football team would be able to e- exploit this upcoming weekend? You know, I think our linebacking crew is, is they're, 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 they're good, but they're not great. I mean, the middle of the field has always been a problem for us, especially if you followed us at all last year, then tight ends. Every tight end we face turned into it was like they were debuting or auditioning for their Pro Bowl, uh, <laughs> you know, to get into the Pro Bowl. And we, we did our best to, 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 to beat their stats up all through the year. And I think that's part of why they went out and got Isaiah Simmons because, you know, he can match up with those guys. So, you know, the middle of the field is something that's given us trouble and fit over the last couple of years. And that might be a, a spot where you guys can exploit us. Now, we got Buda Baker flying around on the back end of safety. And you got Patrick Peterson out there covering one side uh, as far as the you know, lockdown corner. You know, but uh, the middle of the field is all, has been an issue for us. And if you're going to beat us, that's where it's going to be. And that's why I was really surprised that uh, George Kittle didn't have that game of games last week. So maybe that's a sign that we're soaring up a little there. But that has definitely been one of our holes for the last couple of years. Now, now, call me bad at my job. I can't believe we're almost 15 minutes into this conversation, and I have yet to bring up this matchup. We talked about DeAndre Hopkins, but we got a pretty good wide receiver on our end in Terry McLaurin, and you guys have arguably one of the best corners in Patrick Peterson. As we look at this matchup, and Terry had a really good game last week against Darius Slay, who's a great cornerback in this league, but as we look at this matchup, Terry McLaurin versus Patrick Peterson, what are you looking for? Should we expect to see Peterson shadowing Terry McLaurin? I would imagine that would be the plan. You know, uh, Patrick, he's on kind of a redemption tour right now after, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, there was whispers and he even made it public, you know, that he wanted to be traded and that kind of ruffled feathers with the fans and probably with some of his teammates. And then he had the PED suspension to start off last year. So, you know, he got that captain uh, C back on his chest this year. And I think he's out to, to prove a point that he is one of the, still one of the best of the best. So if I'm him, and I'm in those meeting rooms this week. I'm looking at that matchup, and I'm I'm you know I'm raising my hand. That's mine. I got this. Let me have that. And so I, I'd love to see that all through the game. Uh, and, and you know it's it's going to be a great matchup. That will be one of the keys uh, to to who wins this game, in my opinion. And along with the movement of Patrick Peterson, should we expect to see Chandler Jones get moved around on the field and try to exploit the weak holes in, in our offensive line throughout the course of the game? Yeah, Chandler, he's he is something else. I mean, I'm I'm just glad I'm done with my playing days and I didn't have to mess with him too much. Uh, you know, and if the, if the Cardinals are smart, which I you know I think they will, they'll move him around a little bit, and I think that's the the luxury of having someone like him. You don't have to put him on one side. You know, you can float him around, and you know, and the other thing is scheming. You know, uh, help you know if you do some twists and turns here, get him. Uh, you know, try to confuse that offense line a little bit, and I, I think the the fact that I keep going back with the fact that there was no offseason, the offensive lines are going to be the that one group that's going to be behind everybody just a little bit. Because those dudes, those five dudes up front, I mean, it's like a, a chorus line. They all have to be in sync, step by step. And they're just not going to, you know, I don't expect any offensive line to be at mid, you know, mid-season form right now. So if you're going to get them, get after them now. And I expect Chandler to have a, a big game 
Uh, you know, normally I stay with the home crowd behind them, but as we know, it's going to be an empty stadium out there. It would have to be really weird for these guys, but I'm sure they'll move them around and, and get after Haskins as much as possible because I think for for our side, you want to get Haskins ruffled a little bit. Uh, first and foremost, you want to stop the running game, but if you can get Haskins ruffled a little bit, get him to make one of those, you know, second-year quarterback, maybe give us one down in, in, on your side of the field, maybe even a pick six or something like that to turn momentum in the game. So it's going to be interesting to see the, the matchups up front for sure. Now, is there any other matchup, whether it be offense versus defense, uh, for us versus your defense or your offense versus our defense, is there any other matchup that sticks out to you that you think is going to be a real important uh, X factor for this Sunday's game? You know what? I'm, I'm looking at, and it's strange that I'm not doing offense or defense. I'm actually, I'd like to see how uh, special teams Kind of put their stamp, another stamp on this on this game. You know, um, the last couple of years they've been very bland. Uh, I'm looking. I'd like to see a spark on that side of the field, or you know, on that uh, particular uh, part of the team that might you know give us an edge. You know, we're still looking as early in the season, but you know, offensively and defensively, I think both of these teams kind of mirror each other, minus the quarterbacks. Because I think we definitely have the edge when it comes to quarterback, but. You guys get after the front. We get after the front. Uh, offensively, we, like you said, we got both weapons on the outside with, you know, both the wide receivers. And running games, I think, match up really well, too. So the X factor in this one might be who shows out on the uh, special team side of the ball. Now, Ed, I can't let you get out of here without a score prediction. So when Sunday comes, the clock hits, you know, double zeros across the board, I guess four zeros across the board. Who wins and by how many? Well, I've already done my picks earlier today on the Believe in Arizona Cardinals, so I'm going to repeat it for you. Um, I'm looking, you know, last week, didn't have the confidence of them going up to San Fran, and, you know, I'm eating a little crow. Uh, obviously, Redskins, I mean, they're Washington. Washington still has, you know, they, they got the victory, uh, but they're coming out here to our side of the country. So I'm looking at Cardinals somewhere in the area of 27 to 14. Obviously, we differ on the result, but Ed, I appreciate it. You've been exceptionally gracious with your time. I appreciate you jumping on. All the best to you guys and your team moving forward. Enjoy the game this weekend. Anytime, Dan. We look forward to uh, yeah, having you on our show out here sometime soon, too. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. All right, big thanks to Ed Smith for jumping on and uh, and joining us here on the Pigpen Podcast. Now let's get to our perspective on what we should be on the lookout for with this game against the Cardinals. A couple keys, a couple matchups to watch, of course. We'll just start with the matchups. I had this kind of ordered differently, but we'll just start with a big matchup to watch, and that's Patrick Peterson versus Terry McLaurin. We got to it a little bit with Ed, but I want to expand on it here because this is going to be fun. It seems like every single week that we have a good cornerback with Terry McLaurin on our roster, we are going to be looking at that matchup. And I thought Terry McLaurin did a really good job last week against Darius Slay. He didn't pop off like he had done in the past against the Philadelphia Eagles, but we also weren't taking a ton of shots down the field. And a lot of that was because our offensive line wasn't playing uh, fantastic, we will say. But I'm excited to see Terry McLaurin versus Patrick Peterson. Over the course of Terry McLaurin's career here in D.C., He's really only had two bad games. You know, two games that you could look at and say, what what was happening here? One of which was against Carolina last year, 
which we ended up winning that game. He just didn't play exceptionally well. They only threw the ball to him four times. Uh, I'm sure, I can't confirm this, but I'm sure I got on this podcast after that game and was very upset about the lack of targets. But we also won, and we didn't do a whole lot of that last year, so we got over it. The other bad game he had last year was that dreadful game against San Francisco where no one threw the football. It was rainy as all hell. It was muddy. The football was like 10 pounds heavier because of all the rain. Nobody was throwing, so they simply just did not throw to Terry McLaurin. With the exception of those two games, the guy doesn't have bad football games. Like, we have yet to see somebody that has been able to quote-unquote shut down Terry McLaurin. And I don't think that changes this weekend against Patrick Peterson. No, I'm not saying he's going to burn the doors off of Peterson. Because I look at Patrick Peterson and I recognize that he is one of the best cornerbacks that we have had in this generation. He's been doing what he has done, which is playing at a high level, for an exceptionally long time. And while the organization of the Cardinals has been up and down in his tenure there, one thing that's always been consistent is that Patrick Peterson is the guy. But he's also 30 years old. And we have seen just from our organization's perspective, playing against Patrick Peterson, he has issues with speed. I mean, how many of you remember the play from 2014 to Sean Jackson's 64-yard touchdown? A nice little quick slant, speed off the, off the line of scrimmage, gets to the break, gets the football, and he's gone. I'm not saying that's, that same play is going to work this weekend, but what I am saying is that a 30-year-old Patrick Peterson, who was, I guess, in the twilight stages of his career, it does sound weird to call a 30-year-old, like, actually old, but from a football standpoint, he's in the twilight stages of his career, and I think Terry McLaurin has the speed to be able to make that work for us. So I'm looking forward to, to that matchup. And then we might see a little bit of Steve Sims and Patrick Peterson, which again, a lot of speed with Steve Sims, be able to capitalize on that sort of thing. Quick drops for Dwayne Haskins, allow the speed uh, to you to, to work in your advantage against a great cornerback and get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. That's what I want to see from that matchup. I'm expecting that Peterson is going to follow McLaurin around for a majority of the game. That's not confirmed, certainly, but I'm expecting that to be the case. That would seem to be the logical uh, way to do things if you're Arizona because you know how dangerous Terry McLaurin is. I'm not going to leave leave, uh, Byron Murphy, who I believe is the other cornerback they got on the other side. It's either Byron, Byron Murphy or Byron Jones. Byron's somebody. Byron somebody's the guy that's covering Terry McLaurin if it's not Patrick Peterson. And I would much rather have that matchup from our perspective because Terry McLaurin will torch the kid. So that's just something to watch for. That, that, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see Terry McLaurin versus Patrick Peterson. I love a great wide receiver versus cornerback duel. We saw that last week. Edge to Terry McLaurin. Let's see if he can do it again against Patrick Peterson. But here's one of the big keys for us as we approach the Arizona Cardinals, who, of course, beat the San Francisco 49ers, and did so in impressive fashion, we have to play a much more complete football game from start to finish. I enjoyed the style in which we won this weekend because it was fun. I like comeback victories, especially against division opponents because it hurts them a lot more. They, they be all in their feelings. I took a look at Eagles Twitter. Oh, they were not happy. They were ready to get Carson Wentz the hell up out of town after that game, and I enjoyed seeing that. But we can't come back from 17-0 against the Cardinals. They're a different football team from the Philadelphia Eagles. They're a much more explosive offense from the Philadelphia Eagles. We can't put ourselves in a position where we are down 17-0 in the first half. That can't happen. And the way that you negate that 
you got to avoid stupid penalties. Because how many stupid penalties did we have in the first two quarters that just left you scratching your head? 15 yards for dumb personal things. Pushing a dude out of bounds when he's already way out of bounds. The, the offsides, jumping offsides in an empty stadium. It is deathly quiet inside some of these stadiums. I know when we listen to it, if you're watching the broadcast, you hear the pumped-in crowd noise, and that could kind of give you the idea that maybe they're hearing something similar. And I know they are pumping in crowd noise to these stadiums, but it is still exceptionally quiet from what it is normally at a football stadium. So those penalties, you can't fall for the hard count. You can't be jumping off sides in an empty stadium. It's just something that is avoidable. And we can't get ourselves in that position to where we're doing it on a consistent basis. So we have to limit those. And then when we get the opportunity to get to Kyler Murray, tackle the dude. He's elusive as all hell. It's one of the best aspects of his game. He's a dual threat quarterback in the purest sense. He can he can straight up sling the football and he can move. When you get your arms on him, bring him down. It's the same thing we said with Carson Wentz. They're just very different. Wentz is strong. Kyler Murray is much more agile. He's much more elusive. Get to Kyler Murray, bring him down, and for the love of God, I don't know what we're going to do with DeAndre Hopkins. I think Fuller is going to be back for us. It sure seems like he's going to be back for us. I have no idea how we are going to stop DeAndre Hopkins. If San Francisco had a a tough time doing so, that does worry me at least a little bit. And you look at some of the other playmakers they have on offense. uh, You got Christian Kirk, you got Kenyon Drake, and then, of course, Larry Fitzgerald. So that team does have some weapons, but that is completely out the window If our defensive line plays the same way they did last week and they interrupt the timing and they give Kyler Murray some happy feet for all of the second half, if they get to Kyler Murray six to seven to eight times like we did with Carson Wentz last week, we are winning this football game. There is not a scenario that I can envision where we sat Kyler Murray anywhere more than five times and lose the football game. So that's the number right there. If we get to that dude five times and continue to get pressure on him throughout the course of the game, we're winning the football game. It really is that simple. On the flip side, from our offense's perspective, we need to begin praying immediately, if not sooner, as to what we are going to do about Chandler Jones. Because we need some form of divine intervention to stop that dude. He is very quietly, and I say quietly because when you think of top defensive players, especially top pass rushers in the NFL, it seems like his name is very rarely mentioned first. You always get Aaron Donald, you might get J.J. Watt, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, and all of those guys, of course, are deserving in the conversation, but so is Chandler Jones, because since he joined the Cardinals in 2016, he has 61 sacks, and he leads the NFL in that span. He has nine more sacks since joining the Cardinals in 2016 than Aaron Donald has in that same time frame. And Donald has two defensive player of the years in that time frame, in 17 and 18, and he's widely recognized as the best defensive player in football. Yet Chandler Jones has nine more sacks than the dude since 2016. The guy is a menace, an absolute menace. And I watched our offensive line I saw Mark Tyler doing a great job on Twitter, kind of pointing out some of the videos and and on his piece that he did on Hogshaven as well. Our offensive line wasn't exactly super sharp against Philadelphia. So what are we going to do about Chandler Jones? They're going to get creative with him, moving him around the field, putting him up against uh, guys that they feel like he can take advantage of, which 
at this point might be absolutely everybody on our offensive line because it might be absolutely everybody in the NFL period I mean the guy is really that damn good if if they're going to get creative with moving him around on defense we have to get creative with how we're going to plan to stop him this is the one week where it would be really nice to have the football IQ of Adrian Peterson inside the locker room to kind of help out when it comes to the running backs and their responsibilities because we are going to need them to be chipping Chandler Jones as often as they can. The tight ends, chipping Chandler Jones as often as they can. Get physical with that dude. Hit him more than he hits us because I don't want him to meet Dwayne Haskins. I hope they don't get anywhere near each other, to be honest. But that dude is so good. So pray, start praying because we need some form of divine intervention to end up stopping Chandler Jones. And then kind of the final thing here, uh, I guess we're I guess we're calling this keys to the game. I guess I don't know what I'm calling this, but kind of the final thing that I want to touch on here, I would like to see our passing game continue to open up. I thought at the end of the game last week, as we got deeper into the second half, Dwayne Haskins started getting a lot more comfortable which is great to see. And it's not the first time we have seen him get more comfortable throughout the course of a football game. We saw him do it a couple times last year. A majority of those times ended up being wins. I want to see the passing game open up a lot more. I want to see passes down the field. He has a rocket arm. We just need to give him the time to be able to utilize his rocket arm. And again, that kind of falls back on figuring out what we're going to do with Chandler Jones and making sure we can protect Dwayne Haskins. But I want to see him uh, open up and I want to see him operate like a like we know that he has the pot- potential to do he has this rocket arm let's use it get the ball in the hands of Terry McLaurin continue utilizing the running backs I know the numbers didn't jump off the page last week in terms of statistics but I liked the rotation that we used with our running backs giving the defense different looks kind of keeping them on their toes continue to do that but we need to throw the football down the field because we know that Arizona is going to attempt to do so. Philadelphia attempted to do so, and they succeeded in a couple instances of pushing the football down the field. We can't play 1980s-style football and just not throw the ball down the field. Maybe 80s was a bad one. We'll say 60s. Uh, We can't just not throw the football down the field, though, right? We have to. We need big plays. This Cardinals team is better than Philadelphia, at least on paper. We need the big plays and we need to, we need that to come from our offense. So I want to see a much bigger game from Dwayne Haskins, and a lot of that is going to fall in the play calling. But I do think, I think this is a game where we can win, right? Like I don't want to turn into Larry Michaels where I'm picking the team to go 16 and 0. But I do look at this team based on what we saw last week, and I look at the Arizona Cardinals, and I think to myself, if our pass rush plays to the level that they did against Philadelphia. And I know, Philadelphia had a ton of injuries. I get that. But they dismantled that Philadelphia offensive line. This Arizona Cardinals offensive line is their weakest link on offense. I use quotation marks around weakest link, but it's their weakest link on offense. Get to Kyler Murray. If we disrupt their offense, we should be good. Because I'm not all that scared of their defense. Buda Baker's great. Patrick Peterson's great. Chandler Jones is great. After that, though... I'm not scared of the Cardinals' defense. Isaiah Simmons, who a lot of you thought was going to be the better option come draft night, you wanted to trade out a number two to go get Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons got benched last week. Like, I'm not exceptionally afraid of him. I know he's exceptionally versatile. I know he's still young. He's going to get his career back on track. But I'm not afraid of that guy. And other than those three names that I mentioned on their defense, I'm not afraid of them. So I think we get it done. I do. 
I think we're going to get it done. I think we're going to get it done on the late game on Fox. I'm going to say, I don't, I don't know. I don't even remember if I predicted a score last week. But I'm going to say uh, we'll go 24-20. The Washington football team takes down the Arizona Cardinals 24-20. We moved it to 2-0. And we lead the NFC East and are undefeated after two weeks of football. When was the last time that happened? Oh, it is going to feel good. Let me know what you think of the game. Who do you got winning? What's the score? You can do so on Twitter at Denton underscore day. Other matchups that you want to you should be on the lookout for that I should be on the lookout for uh, at Twitter uh, at Denton underscore day. Until then, I'll see you on uh, hopefully Monday with a another Victory Monday podcast here on the Pigman Podcast.